Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I am so excited I get to say this. The final from yesterday. It was the Indians 10, the Cubs 4 out at Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona. That's right, baseball games are back. And I get to give you updates on games. We get to talk about the action on the field. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual games on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And we've got a week of spring training games to talk about here. We've got storylines. We've got camp battles. We've got so much to talk about. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, please help it grow by leaving a rating and a review on whatever app you are listening on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Help the show grow by letting people know what it's all about and how much we love baseball here on Cleveland Baseball Morning. So if you can, we've got an all-five-star review so far, which is awesome. Take a second out of your day. Go ahead and leave a review real quick. Leave a star rating. I would appreciate it. All right, let's get into some of these things. And uh, the first thing we got to talk about, well, uh, we already talked about the Mickey Calloway stuff uh, in a previous episode. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, uh, I I recorded it in my car after work. I it was a very it was a very interesting day, and I had a lot of emotions going on. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to record this before I even get home and just get it out there. So uh, a bunch of you listened to it, and I really appreciate that taking the time to t- talk about something serious and listen to something serious. Uh, in this podcast that's supposed to be fun, that's supposed to be about baseball, it's supposed to be a distraction. So if you want to hear my thoughts, go back and listen to that episode. I will say that Antonetti did finally sit down in front of the media. They kind of stuck to their, you know, this, you know, the MLB investigation is going on and we'll talk after that's over. So we'll see what comes out of this. We're not going to let up on them. We're going to keep the pressure on the Indians front office to... Uh, to make some real changes and to to really make those actions that they promised. You know, let their actions speak louder than words, okay? We're keeping an eye on you. So let's get into some things. The first thing we got to talk about is the Cleveland Indians are stealing my gimmick. I was shocked. If you listened to me last season, uh, I thought it'd be fun to do MVP for a day, right? They do things in other sports. and hockey, they do the three stars you know, for the night. And I thought it'd be fun, you know, in football, they do a game ball. I thought it'd be fun to do MVP for a day. Just which guy, because we were analyzing every game, which guy really just stepped forward that day, really gave it his all that day, our MVP for the day. And the Indians apparently have been listening to the podcast and liked it so much that they are now doing that out there in spring training. They are doing their MVP for a day. And not only that, Terry Francona keeps pulling 50s out of his wallet, and every guy that wins gets a 50 from Terry Francona. So um, that's cool. That's fun. I'm glad they're having fun out there in uh, Arizona. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to do my MVP for the week because, obviously, I'm going to be doing episodes every Saturday through spring training. We'll get into the daily episodes once the regular season starts. So my MVP for the week And I'm going to start over on the hitting side. I'm going to do a hitting and a pitching one because there's just way too many guys getting in the game right now. There's way too much stuff going on. And 
it would have gone to Andres Jimenez. It was so close to going to Andres Jimenez. He didn't have a great game yesterday against the Cubs, which is fine because he had been he's been on fire all week. He was perfect up until that point. Uh, he ends the week uh, four for seven, five seventy one batting average uh, with a triple homer, three RBIs. But I gotta give my MVP for the week to Gabriel Arias, the uh, the young shortstop that came over in the Clevenger trade from the Padres, right? Guy is a perfect six for six on the season. He hasn't gotten out yet. He hasn't even taken a walk yet. Six for six with six singles, three runs scored, two RBIs. That's right. He's batting a thousand. His on base percentage is a thousand. He's slugging a thousand. His OPS is two thousand. I mean, if a guy has a perfect week, even though he's coming in in the second round of hitters in these games. If a guy has a perfect week, he's got to be MVP for the week, right? That that has to be like the first bylaw of MVP for the week. So Gabriel Arias gets the offensive MVP for the week. And on the pitching side of things, there are some guys that have made some uh, some pretty good performances so far. But I think the best performance out of anyone probably goes to Aaron Savali. He's had one start so far this week. He went three innings, which is a lot further than any of the other starters have gone because his pitch count was low. He he had the pitches to do it. So three innings, three strikeouts, no hits, no runs, no walks. So a really, really encouraging first start for Aaron Savali. So he gets my MVP for the week on the pitching side. There's more to talk about with Aaron Savali. There's some interesting news stories that came up, which we will get into in a minute. But first, we got to talk about storylines. I want to do this a little more this season. What storylines are emerging from camp, from spring training, through this week of baseball? And when we get into the regular season, we might talk about storylines in a game. We, you know, that might be a battle between a pitcher and a hitter, right? He's faced them three times in the game. What's the storyline that kind of carries us through those three at-bats? It might be a storyline that carries us through a week or a month, you know, uh, a player finally getting a shot to start every day, or uh, how Francona is using someone out of the bullpen. So there might be storylines that last a while. So I want to talk a little storylines, and the first storyline I'm seeing coming out of camp right now is actually Terry Francona's uh, non-flexibility. He... They talk about so much that they want guys that can play multiple positions. They want guys that can be flexible out there in the field. And they want to be able to move guys around. But so far through this first week of games, it's actually been the same lineups, the same positions. I'm actually a little surprised by how inflexible they've been. So you kind of have two, I would say, two uh, lineups, basically. And it kind of feels like there's an A lineup and a B lineup. Um, It's not completely like that. They definitely mixed and matched a little bit. But uh, the one lineup has featured Billy Hamilton, Oscar Mercado, Jake Bowers, Josh Naylor, Ben Gamble, Mike Freeman, Austin Hedges catching, Andres Jimenez at shortstop, and Yu Chang in there too. This kind of feels like the B lineup, although you could say Mercado... Bowers, Naylor, uh, probably in Jimenez, probably have a chance to be starters come opening day. This kind of feels like the B lineup. And then the other lineup you got going 
a lineup that's taken a couple of losses, to be honest, that hasn't really clicked offensively yet. Uh, that lineup features Cesar Hernandez, Bradley Zimmer, Jose Ramirez, Eddie Rosario, Fermil Reyes, Roberto Perez, Bobby Bradley, Ahmed Rosario, and Daniel Johnson. So you can see how there's a few more big names, a few more established names in this lineup. And he's just been bouncing back and forth between these two lineups for the first week of games. So will we start to see this mixed up? Will Ahmed Rosario always be next to Jose Ramirez? Or is he going to flip things up this next week and get Andres Jimenez out there next to, in between Jose Ramirez and Cesar Hernandez and see what that looks like? It's interesting. I mean, your first instinct would say, well, these are the guys that are have the first shot at starting. Right at, at, at claiming these starting positions, which is interesting. If that's the case, you got Bobby Bradley at first, and you got Daniel Johnson out there in right field. So that would be very interesting. Bradley Zimmer in center. Or is it just he kind of split what he anticipates to be a starting lineup in half and is just mixing things up that way? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the flexibility um, that Terry Francona shows going forward. Also moving guys around to multiple positions. Ahmed Rosario has been locked in as shortstop. If he really is going to, you know, possibly be a super utility guy, if Andres Jimenez wins the starting shortstop job and you're going to use Rosario as this super utility that could play multiple, multiple positions, including the outfield, are we going to see it? Are we going to see it in camp? When does, when does that happen, right? When do we start mixing this thing up a little bit? So, It'll be interesting to see. That's kind of the storyline I see emerging right now in camp is, is that they're not showing their hand yet. Uh, they're just sticking with this A lineup and B lineup and running them out there and getting guys at bats. So maybe looking too much into it the first week, but all I can do is look at the games that have been played and that's kind of the storyline that I see emerging. All right, so let's talk about some camp battles because we have some serious battles going on for some positions and uh, we might as well start at first base because only two guys seem to be playing first base Josh Naylor is being put in the outfield right Josh Naylor so far has only played right field that's where they're looking at him to start camp another part of that inflexibility right so these guys are only kind of playing one position right now so the battle at first base seems to be between Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers. And I got to say, Bobby Bradley is winning this competition right now. I love that him and Yu Chang both have two hits so far in the spring, both home runs. <laughs> that's a way to do it, right? That's a way to get your slugging percentage up there. So Bobby Bradley is two for seven. He's got the two home runs, two runs scored, four RBIs. He does have two strikeouts. So it's good for a 286 batting average. I, the, the OPSs and the slugging percentages right now are ridiculous. Most of the numbers are kind of ridiculous in the first week. You know how it takes time for these things to kind of get into sort of a normalized uh, range. So Bobby Bradley with the two home runs. For Jake Bowers... It's not looking too good, especially if you're. If I have to hit next to get to your stats on the stat page, not a good sign. Jake Bowers, 0 for 5. He does have three walks, so he is being patient up at the plate. Two runs scored from those three walks. Two strikeouts as well. Doesn't have a hit yet. 
that's that's not looking good. Like we saw that last year from Carlos Santana. We saw a guy that walked a ton but couldn't really hit last year. Hey, sorry, that's I know there's Santana fans out there, but couldn't really hit last year. And so I gotta say, I, I don't want to see that again. I I would be okay with a Bobby Bradley that could put up 25, 30 home runs, even if he's only hitting 230, 240. If he's showing the power, and man, does that guy have power. He, he uh, okay, you have cliches coming into every camp, right? The first cliche, guy's in the best shape of his life. Bobby Bradley might be in the best shape of his life. Oh my God, does that guy look incredible. It looks like incredible shape. Uh, he slimmed down, but the muscle is still there. The arms are still huge, and he crushed some home runs so far this spring. So yeah, so uh, Bobby Bradley, I think he's leading that camp battle right now. I think he's got a shot at first base. The other one we got to talk about is shortstop. Shortstop, it's, it, this has been incredible. The, the guys who've been playing shortstop, I don't know if it's something in the water down there, have all been fantastic. All the middle infielders have been fantastic. So you've got Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario kind of leading this battle. You also have Yu Chang in there, who is a shortstop as well. He can play short, second, third. You have Yu Chang in there as well. Uh, Cesar Hernandez has been doing fine. He's three for eight. Uh, he's been doing great, uh, getting warmed up here in the spring. I, no concerns about Cesar Hernandez. And then uh, Gabriel Arias is a little bit younger, but it could be the future shortstop. Uh, apparently, his glove has just been fantastic out there. And like I said, he's been perfect, six for six. So what are you going to say? What, what can you say to that? Um, Tyler Freeman has also been doing decent out there. Uh, he is still a little bit younger. It's going to be a while for him to come up. And uh, so, yeah, so these shortstop, I, I'm really impressed with Andres Jimenez. I, I really got to say, if he keeps this up, I, I don't see how you could possibly not give him the starting shortstop job. And Ahmed Rosario, he's two for five, three runs scored, a walk and a strikeout. That's a pretty decent week. That's, a, that's an okay week for a start of spring training week. So Ahmed Rosario has also been kind of, uh, kind of been doing a really good job from the top of the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see if they can figure out a way to get all these guys on the field. That's the biggest challenge right now. I feel with this inflexibility it's, it's going to be hard to find positions, find spots for all these guys on the field. You got too many middle infielders. And the goal was eventually some of these middle infielders would end up moving around to different positions. But you now have some guys, some established guys locked in, you know. Obviously, Jose Ramirez ain't going anywhere at third base. He's gotten off to a slow start. He finally had a big hit yesterday against the Cubs. Uh, but... No one, no one in Cleveland is worried about Jose Ramirez. And Jose Ramirez can go through a cold stretch. Like, it can happen. He could have a, come out for a terrible April and May. But I think everybody in Cleveland knows enough by now to stick behind Jose Ramirez and know that he can turn things around. And when he wants to turn things on and get hot in a second, I mean, you remember when he left with that hand injury for like a month. Was that two seasons ago, maybe? And came back and was just smoking home runs. And I believe Chicago. 
I mean, just incredible how that guy can just – it can snap and he could just say, I'm, I'm crushing the ball today. It is happening. Jose Ramirez is taking over this game. So, uh, yeah, so even if he starts slow, I don't think anyone in Cleveland is worried about him. Cesar Hernandez looks great at second base. Like, he is a really, really good second baseman. So how do you do it? How do you find spots for Jimenez and Chang and Rosario? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when Arias is ready? So there are a lot of decisions that the Indians are going to have to make here with these shortstops. So as right now, Jimenez is leading the camp battle for me. Um, and then I got to see Rosario play another position. And they got to they gotta try him in another position. It, it makes all the difference when constructing that lineup, right? That final lineup that comes to Cleveland. All right. Uh, also in camp battles, we get out into the outfield. Things aren't looking great for some of these young outfielders that are battling for spots. Uh, Josh Naylor was limited a little bit because he tripped over first base or something, and they wanted to give him a few days. But he has been, he's two for five. He's got two doubles and a run scored, three RBIs, a walk and a strikeout. So Naylor is coming out swinging. Like he is legitimately coming out looking like a guy who could bat fifth or sixth in this final lineup. Right now they've got him hitting cleanup, I think, on the B lineup what I'm calling the B lineup. And uh, yeah, Naylor is looking like he can really claim right field and that fifth, sixth spot in the lineup, depending on if Cesar Hernandez is leading off or if someone like Ahmed Rosario is leading off and everybody bumps down one. Also in that outfield, we've got Daniel Johnson. Daniel Johnson has been looking pretty good this camp. He also is two for six. He's two for six with a double, an RBI, and a run scored. Does have one strikeout. Daniel Johnson is looking pretty good. He isn't looking like he's getting fooled by pitches like some of the other names that we're going to get to here. So I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Daniel Johnson. Can he play center field? I've heard that before. I've heard it. he's incredibly fast. I don't think speed is the issue. Is it just he's never gotten a chance? I, I don't. Is there a, some profile that says you got to be a taller guy to play center field? So can Daniel Johnson move around a little bit this spring and play multiple outfield positions? Daniel Johnson is a guy I want to see open the season in a Cleveland uniform. There's a lot of these guys that I don't want to see them down in Columbus anymore. I want to see them in an Indians uniform. I really think some of these young guys can contribute this season in a meaningful way. All right, you've also got Bradley Zimmer out there. He has been okay. Two for six, but three strikeouts. I watched some of his at-bats, and he still looks like he gets fooled by off-speed pitches and by breaking balls. It's still looking like that. And speaking of that, Oscar Mercado is two for nine with a run scored. He does have some, uh, he did go, I think I saw him go back up the middle with a single earlier in camp. Uh, He only has one strikeout, but he also seems... He seems off balance still by the off-speed stuff. I think if Mercado or Zimmer win that opening day center field job, they're going to see a lot of off-speed pitches. They're going to see a lot of curveballs and sliders and change-ups. Yeah, they just don't seem like they're on those pitches, like they're reading those pitches very well. So we'll we'll see if either of them starts to smoke the ball, if either of them starts to pick it up as the next week goes on. The other outfielders we got to talk about are the non-roster invitees, 
Billy Hamilton does not have a hit yet. He he did reach on a walk and scored a run. He's 0 for 7. Please, please, Billy Hamilton, keep being 0 for whatever. Keep struggling at the play because I really don't want you to make this team. He seems like a very, very nice person. Uh, he's clowning around, having fun with some of the guys out there on the field. I hope I wish the best for Billy Hamilton, just not on this team. There's other guys that have been here. I, I don't want a Billy Hamilton to make this roster over a Daniel Johnson. I, I want to see Daniel Johnson be on this team. So Billy Hamilton, no hits yet. The other guy, Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble's been doing a little bit. Uh, he's one for six with a uh, with a run scored. So again, not much. Two walks, two strikeouts. Ben Gamble, I, I, there's other guys. There's other guys that have been here that I want to see succeed. And these aren't intriguing uh, non-roster invitees. These aren't guys that have crushed in other places, gone through a bad year or two, and are trying to rebuild their careers. They're guys that have been light-hitting outfielders their entire careers. And I'd much, much rather see if any of our young guys can claim these spots then either of those guys make the team. So, glad to see that. Glad to see that both of them are struggling so that some of our other young guys have a chance. All right, so those are the camp battles on offense. When it comes to pitching, uh, our starting pitching has struggled a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Things did not go well for Shane Bieber in his first start, although he claims this is the other camp cliche, right? Uh, I didn't throw any curveballs today. I wasn't throwing my curveball. I was working on some other things. So Bieber got hit pretty hard. He gave up four runs, uh, three earned in his first start. Well, Bieber will be fine. If you saw his interview with Pitching Ninja, by the way, if you haven't, look it up on YouTube. Uh, Pitching Ninja does these incredible, incredible interviews with pitchers. And they sat down for about an hour, talked about some of the things growing up, Talking about kind of his attitude on the mound. Um, yeah, that that kind of like shut, not shut off, but that like uh, super focused, not too high, not too low. Uh, that's on purpose, right? That, that's a mindset that he does on purpose. It's something that Kluber did on purpose. And I'm not saying Bieber is Kluber. No, nobody is as as buttoned down as Kluber was. But yeah, that, that's on purpose. He, he gets into a zone out there. And uh, talked about his pitch grips, talked about a slider, um, really working the slider more. So if guys are laying off the curveball, he can give them another look. So yeah, so it's a really, really cool interview with Bieber. Plesak also struggled in his first start. I don't know what pitch he was not throwing, but Plesak also gave up three runs. So yeah, so some of our starters... Cal Quintrill, um, I think he had one decent start. And then yesterday against the Cubs, so him and McKenzie were back-to-back. So Tristan McKenzie, uh, Cal Quintrill pitched first, then McKenzie came in the first time they went out. Yesterday, it was McKenzie first, and Cal Quintrill came in second. Both of them kind of struggled against the Cubs. I'm not going to lie. McKenzie's ERA is pretty high. He's also given up three runs this spring in three and two-thirds innings. Quintrill's given up two runs now in three and a third inning. So I think Quintrill's first start went well. His second start, mm, not so well. 
Uh, it's amazing the difference, the, the difference in, in build and body shape and how these guys can still throw heat no matter what they look like. Like, there's nothing intimidating about Cal Quintrill out there on the mound. Uh, Logan Allen looks like a monster out there. He looks like a guy you wouldn't want to get into a bar fight with. Uh, Cal Quintrill, there just seems to be nothing intimidating about him on the mound, but the guy can pitch. The guy can absolutely pitch. So uh, we'll see. It, 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 I mean, it almost makes you feel like when setting McKenzie and Quintrill back-to-back, like those guys are competing for like the fifth spot or something like that. So we'll see. There is definitely still some battles. Logan Allen pitched very well uh, in his first start. Um, a clean two innings. No walks, no strike. Uh, two strikeouts. Two strikeouts for him in two innings. So Logan Allen pitched very well. He changed some things. Logan Allen has a very strange, not even windup, his set before his windup. He like turns his back to the plate, squares up to first base, sticks his arms out, brings them back, probably setting his shoulders, uh, it looks like, and uh, setting his core and his upper body, and then goes into his windup. It looks, I gotta be honest, it looks exhausting to do it to do it a hundred times a game plus all your warm-up pitches looks exhausting to repeat that process but if that's what works for Logan Allen if that's what sets his shoulders and sets his upper body before he goes into his windup more power to him so Logan Allen looks pretty decent coming out could he could he be one of those guys that sneaks in to that starting a rotation uh it's possible it is absolutely possible that Logan Allen is one of our starters in the bullpen, Karinchek been pitching pretty good. He did have, well, now I take that back. Karinchek had a good inning, and then he had a wild man inning uh, where he didn't, like, throw a strike for, like, the first nine pitches or something like that. So uh, that could be a reason Karinchek doesn't close. That could be a reason right there. Uh, if you could have wild man innings from Karinchek, you can have a faster hook with him in the seventh inning than you can in the ninth inning. When a guy goes out there to close the ninth inning, you tend to let him run and see if he can finish that game. You don't mess with your closers as much as you'd mess with someone in the seventh inning who's coming in to try to shut down the, the meat of the lineup in an important spot in the game. So, yeah, I, I think Karinczak still fits that Andrew Miller role better than he fits the closer role. And that decision will be easy if... Guys like Nick Wickren pitch as good as they've been pitching. So he's had two clean innings. He's given up one hit, one strikeout, no earned runs, no runs in those two innings. So Nick Wickren could be a more reliable closer and then let Karinczak and Emmanuel Classe, who's also had a good outing and a bad outing so far this spring, um, be weapons that you use out of the bullpen instead. I forgot about a guy I forgot about when I was doing my 26-man roster was Trevor Steven. Trevor Steven is the guy we got from the Yankees in the Rule 5 draft, and I forgot about him because we don't go get guys in the Rule 5 draft that often. So Trevor Steven, there's an incentive for him to open with the club because if he doesn't, we have to offer him back to the Yankees. So Trevor Steven so far, uh, two innings pitched, two clean innings in two games. Uh, no, by clean inning, I mean no run scored. He gave up a hit, a walk, and has one strikeout. No runs given up so far this spring for Trevor Steven, and he's been throwing gas out there. He's been throwing serious heat. 
Uh, he is someone who started before, but a roll out of the bullpen makes sense with how hard he throws. There's a lot of guys that throw hard now in this spring training, and it'll be interesting to see how many break with the club when that final roster goes up. Anthony Ghosh is also someone that can really throw gas. He's had two innings pitched. He's given up two hits, but three strikeouts. No runs given up so far. So a lot of guys throwing heat out there. And so the, the bullpen battle is still going. The bullpen, Blake Parker has been pitching okay. The bullpen battle is still raging out there. There's people that think Brian Shaw has an inside track because he's buddy-buddy with Terry Francona. And that's another storyline that we're going to have to keep our eye on. How much does Francona bury the rookies and give veterans more of an opportunity? And I think the guys you got to keep your eye on are Brian Shaw and Mike Freeman. Like, obviously, Terry Francona feels very comfortable with Mike Freeman as a super utility player. They've played him all around the infield. They've played him in the corner outfield spots. Obviously, that's someone he feels very comfortable with. And he's been joking about Brian Shaw, how Brian Shaw's spring training stats don't matter. He's been joking about it the whole camp. So... Those are two guys to keep an eye on. Are they going to get spots on this roster just because they're veterans that Terry Francona likes, or is he going to give it to more exciting younger players and give us a chance to see these younger players in a Cleveland uniform? All right, so those are the storylines going. Those are the camp battles and the storylines going on so far. There are some interesting news stories that have been out there recently. Um... The Athletic did an interesting piece about Emmanuel Classe. He is determined to be the closer for the Cleveland Indians. So I can see that. I can absolutely see that happening because this guy throws heat. And uh, he's closed in the minors before. He's closed coming up in the Texas system. And so Classe wants that closer spot. So he's going to have to prove the consistency, though, right? He can't have innings where he comes out there and walks a bunch of guys, gets hit around a lot. Like, for the closer, I mean, it happens. It happens to every closer. But we need consistency to be a closer. Consistency and reliability. So, Classe is definitely in that battle. And if you want to check out the article, Zach Meisel over The Athletic, it's a pretty good article about Classe and his attitude. The other article when it comes to pitching was from Mandy Bell on MLB.com, and she did a profile on Aaron Savali. And this is a really interesting article. So Savali basically changed his entire windup in the offseason. He worked with Ruben Niebla. They worked across country. They were on Zooms and things like that and phone calls. And Savali changed to a, a shorter arm rotation. So you'll hear a lot of things in modern pitching talk about the arm path, right? And that that kind of thing of that circle that the arm takes back as it brings the ball up and around. And Savali was actually throwing a football. Was throwing a football because if football QBs have a much tighter arm, they keep that arm high and tight and snap that football and fire that football kind of from their ear. And so Savali was actually throwing a football to remind himself to keep that arm tight. It's something that I believe Trevor Bauer has been doing um, to obviously great effect to a Cy Young Award. And some other guys have really been working on this arm path and working on tightening things up. Originally, people were afraid that it would cause injuries. It's proving not to cause injuries so far. So it's actually been really effective for control and getting on top of the ball and velocity. So 
Savali has changed things, and it's clearly looked effective so far in his first start of the spring. So that is something, if you want to read the whole article from Mandy Bell over on MLB.com, a really interesting read, and we'll see how Savali continues throughout this spring. If this new windup, he's also worked on a new changeup. He's moving to a split change. Uh, so we'll see. We will see if these changes work for Savali. There are people that are very, very high on Savali. And speaking of changes, uh, over on um, letsgotribe.com uh, from the SB Nation Cleveland Indians uh, site, uh, they got an article on Yu Chang, and it's a funny article from Merritt Rol- Rolfing. He talks about over. Am I here? I go overreacting to Yu Chang again. And but I'm on this Yu Chang train. I want to see Yu Chang be on this team. He seems like an incredible person, and he seems like a really good baseball player. And I want to see it happen. And he talked about his stance and the changes he's made in his stance. And they showed in that bat a home run from 2018, and. He's standing pretty upright. He's got his feet open to the pitcher. And then yesterday, they showed the home run. I'm sorry, from a few days ago, the home run off the Brewers. The feet are now more closed, a more closed stance. He's more bent over. He's got better angles in his knees, his hips, his back. Um, So he's got a little more bent over a stance. He's closed those feet, and he's exploding those hips more. So when he makes contact with the ball in 2018, his hips were basically facing the pitcher, if not just to the right of the pitcher. Now his home run he hit in spring training, his hips are open. His hips are past the pitcher already, which means he's exploding those hips, exploding through the ball more, and he's going to generate more power that way. He is definitely going to barrel up some baseballs more, exploding those hips like that. So Keep an eye on Yu Chang and his power. That power could definitely grow. Um, He could could be a multi-home run guy, 20, maybe even 30 home run guy if he keeps swinging like this. So keep an eye on Yu Chang and his new swing. If you want to read it and see the photos and see the uh, the gifts, head on over to letsgotribe.com. So those are some of the news stories that I've been reading this week, things that have gotten me excited about spring training and the battles going on in spring training. And when you really pay attention to these things, we, in the season, we obviously pay a lot of attention to numbers, right? We pay attention to percentages. We pay attention to uh, OPS pluses and and uh, zone takes and stuff like that. And uh, in the spring, those things don't matter much, but these mechanical things matter a lot more in the spring. What changes have guys made and now implementing those changes in games? And can they keep up those changes or do you revert to bad habits? Sometimes that happens. You try to change your swing, but in the heat of battle, you might revert to some bad habits. So uh, yeah, so it is interesting to see these things, these profiles, these, these especially now with GIFs and, and with all the video we have. Thank God some games were videoed this week. Uh, There were a couple games on TV this week. And so we can start to see these things, start to see these changes that they're making. All right. The last thing I got to update you on is the name name competition, the new nickname competition going on in the athletic. I told you they skipped the final four and they just put them into two pools for the Elite Eight. 
So you had the Spiders versus the Red Tails versus the Clash versus the Guardians. And my prediction was that Spiders would run away with things. I actually voted for Guardians, even though I love Spiders. Guardians was a name that first popped to mind when this whole thing started, when this whole news came down that they were changing the name. So I voted for Guardians. I figured, why not? I'll give a vote to Guardians because Spiders is obviously going to run away with this thing. Wrong. Guardians ran away with that pool. Guardians got 67% of the vote. Spiders only got 17% of the vote. It wasn't even close. Guardians run away in that first pool. In the second pool, it was Commodores versus Captains versus Walleye versus Blues. I like Commodores coming out of this one, the ties to Lake Erie and everything like that. And apparently, I understood the voters of Cleveland because Commodores ran away with this bracket, 45% of the votes. Blues were second with 30% of the vote. So the finals of the athletic name competition, it comes down to the Guardians versus the Commodores. I gave my vote to Guardians. I will update you next week and let you know who won this competition. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. And I get to say it again, the final yesterday from Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona. It was the Indians 10, the Cubs 4. Coming up today, uh, we're back to listening on the radio. No more TV games for at least a few days. Uh, You got Scott Moss taking on the Chicago White Sox. Then on Sunday, you've got Plutko going against the Athletics. And on Monday, Plesak gets another chance on the mound against the Seattle Mariners. So that is what is coming up the next few days for your Cleveland Indians. I'll be back next Saturday to continue these storylines, to continue these camp battles, and to continue talking about the games on the field. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on these games, on these battles, on these storylines, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.